Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 14, The Tower. The original air date was March 23rd, 2014. The writer was Robert Hull. The director was Robert Haymaker. And the title card is Rapunzel's Tower. We begin in the enchanted forest of the past, at the former castle of Snow White. Prince Charming is wandering the halls of the palace, and the cry of an infant draws him towards a particular door. Right off the bat, the CGI is just terrible. Mm. But Charming looks very dashing in his red outfit. Oh, he's ultra fine in this episode. Like the stitching in like the back of his jacket, waistcoat, whatever it's called. I don't know. It looks great, though. The CGI doesn't, though. No. I think it's the same assets from the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. He opens the door to find Emma's nursery, perfect as it was all those years ago before the curse was cast. David realizes this is not how life unfolded, and the scene around him is all wrong. You're right, says a voice behind him. Charming whirls around to see grown-up Emma dressed beautifully in a ball gown. She asks her father to dance with her and practice for that evening's ball, her first Father and daughter begin a graceful dance, with Emma saying Charming is the best teacher a daughter could have hoped for. David remarks that this is everything he could have ever hoped for her, prompting Emma to reply that it's a shame they never got the chance. She admits that she is not really there, that she should be, but she isn't, because Charming failed her. Ouch. My favorite part about this whole thing is the subtlety. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but Emma and Charming dancing to like the twinkly, snowing family music theme was really, really cute and sweet until it turned became very heavy handed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This this whole episode is pretty heavy handed. It is. (laughs) It set the tone. (laughs) But the moments of them dancing is very sweet. The tranquil day turns stormy as an earthquake rumbles and the room becomes more nightmarish. Emma is swept away in the storm, telling her father that he failed her. There is nothing he can do, but she warns him to not fail the next one. The haunted spinning head dolls were pretty unnecessary, if you ask me. (laughs) Gasping for breath, Charming wakes up to discover it was only a nightmare. Snow is waiting by the window in a gleeful mood, for she has discovered she is pregnant. Despite being thrilled, the shadow of David's nightmare looms over him. Nightmares fuck me up too, buddy. The sad thing is that Snow is very obviously visibly pregnant. Like, homegirl waited until she was a good six months along before she told him, and Charming is just gobsmacked. And it's like, oh no, you poor sweet dum-dum, thank God you're handsome because <laughs> she's so big yeah <laughs> he's like well, you're pregnant <laughs> he's our sweet hembo he is thank god he's pretty <laughs> flash forward to nine months later in storybrook david is gathered with hook emma mary margaret and regina at the loft running theories on who the wicked witch could be emma wants to return to regina's office to investigate using non-magical tactics but regina wants to ensure henry's safety especially because those flying monkeys are out there causing chaos and picking people off. 
Regina volunteers to play bodyguard, but before she leaves, Emma gently reminds her that Henry is still under the impression they're only in Storybrooke for work. Regina is only the mayor in his eyes. There's a moment in this scene where Regina is like, look who's gotten good at lying to Emma with this like tone and expression that I can only describe as gay. Mm. Like she just seems very into Emma here and it's fantastic. It's so good. She has such big, my ex is back in town and I'm still in love with her, damn it. (laughs) energy in the scene and i love it so here for it hashtag henry has two moms he just doesn't know it yet meanwhile selena enters her bomb shelter to check on rumpelstiltskin who is spinning away on his wheel chanting it cleans the mind it soothes the soul selena taunts her prisoner daring him to attack her except she possesses the dark one dagger which keeps rumpel as a slave to her bidding She forces him to sit down on his stool as she sits opposite. He taunts her with a rhyme. All of the voices in my head will quiet when I'm dead. Zelina insists she is not there to kill him, but to give him a close shave. She reveals that she learned how to from her alcoholic father in Oz. She nicks him, wipes the blood off on her thumb, and gets up to leave. And there's something really gross here about her telling the story about her father to a man that she's both into, but also this guy also had a relationship with her mother. So unsettling. (laughs) Don't like it. Bad touch. No like. This scene is so ridiculous to me because for 90% of it, it's just Zelina putting a prop plastic knife on him while they edit in snick snick noises and no shaving actually happens. (laughs) And then bang, all smooth. Good job once upon a time quality work (laughs) that's true but i actually still found it really unsettling because i am always freaked out by like face shaving scenes with like a straight razor or this type of a dagger but like it makes my skin crawl yeah but it was basically like her patting his face with a plastic playground shovel i know it still (laughs) felt very threatening to me it freaked me out man i do actually think the cinematography in the scene was really good it was shot very differently than normal once upon a time scenes Uh, it's really creepy Uh, it's very unsettling very well done i love all the use of backlit imagery from like being in that that storm cellar (laughs) it's kind of been a while since we've had a this is a hannibal episode moment i was like this is creepy this is this is turning turning real bad real quick i mean it didn't start good to begin with i feel like this is our first hannibal moment this season the scene has very but it's okay if the predator is a woman, right? Subversive vibes to it. Felt very threatening to me. Plastic knife. <laughs> I definitely was all like, she's scary. Well, she's unhinged. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. In a moment of clarity, Rumble asks just what is it she wants? To which Selena replies, is what he has spent a lifetime seeking, yet goes against his nature. Without any further clues, She leaves him and heads for Mr. Gold's pawn shop. Belle finds her browsing and waits on her. Selina gives Belle false platitudes when the latter informs her about Mr. Gold's death. And then she asks for a baby gift for Mary Margaret. Belle helpfully turns to get something, offering Selina the opportunity to freeze her as she uses a blood drop from Mr. Gold's cut to access the safe. She then swipes an object. In Regina's office, David, Hook, and Emma are investigating. With no gloves. 
This is like season one Mulder of the X-Files level of bad investigation protocol. Like, Jesus, Emma, come on. They don't know any better. You have to teach them like two small children. Use gloves. They find a partial footprint and a smearing of holly berries, which grow in the corner of the forest not far from the toll bridge. Just then, Mary Margaret texts David to come home as she wishes for him to meet the new midwife. David is torn between helping Emma and leaving, but ultimately goes home. Hook also chooses this time to make some shitty comment about like how controlling or needy or whatever Mary Margaret is. And Emma just gives him this look like, don't talk about my mom, I will murder you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she has daggers in her eyes. She's just like, fuck you, that's my mom. My best mom. My my best friend, mom. That's my best friend, mom. My best friend is also my mother. You shut your mouth when you're talking about her. (laughs) Keep her name out of your filthy mouth, pirate. (laughs) In the enchanted forest of the past, Prince Charming goes out to the stable and takes a swig of what we can all assume is grog. Robin Hood catches him and notices the gold-tipped arrows Queen Regina gifted to him for aiding her in the previous episode. David muses that he thinks Regina likes Robin, but the thief believes the queen only wants him out of her castle ASAP. However, Robin has no intention of leaving as the castle is the safest place for his son Roland. Robin Hood notices the fatigue on Charming, and the prince shares his unshakable feeling of dread, along with the glug of his hooch. Robin reveals that after his wife died, Friar Tuck told him about a root in Sherwood Forest which could eliminate one's fears. Like the gullible farm boy he is, Charming pays no attention to Robin's warning of haunts in the woods and instantly sets off for it. Jesus, Robin, you don't just go off spouting the random burbling of a beer-soaked friar. He's literally a monk who likely was barley soaked and reeking of fermented hops most of his adult life. Tuck don't know shit. I'll care what Robin has to say when he turns back into Tom Ellis. <laughs> I I care, Sean McGuire. I care. I don't care. Where's Tom Ellis? <laughs> Let he's it be on, known. He's he's on a different show. Let it be known. Lynn doesn't care. She wants Tom Ellis back. He's Lucifer. I mean, that's good and all. Yeah, he had to go be Lucifer. It's the fact that he doesn't just do both is quitter talk. <laughs> <laughs> back in Storybrook, Zelina and Mary Margaret are chatting when David arrives. As Zelina makes them a pot of tea. Mary Margaret and David whisper frantically about the trustworthiness of the woman that's literally 10 feet away from them. Oh, for fuck's sake. At least David is like, we're supposed to be on the lookout for suspicious people, Snow. <laughs> like, at least he's like, actually like, hey, this is weird. Also, shout out to Zelina name dropping Joanna to Snow. That was actually really smart. RIP, Joanna, you're a real one. You deserve better than being tossed at a clock tower by Cora. Yeah, she's getting a superior paycheck on Downton Abbey at this time anyway. <laughs> While the royal couple have the worst covert talk ever, Zelina takes the item she stole from Mr. Gold's safe and crushes it into David's teacup. This woman just gives Snow and Charming completely unsteeped tea with the bags still in and expects them to drink it right away with the bag still in. Unbelievable. Go to jail. Right? Also, all make tea is different from all put the kettle on. Like the former implies care, you know, like 
loose leaf or adding cream and sugar, you know, like accoutrements or something. Or at least be fucking steeped when it's handed to you. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll put the kettle on means I'm plopping some tea bags in, but I will at least steep them. I will facilitate hot water. Yeah. We return to the enchanted forest of nine months ago, where Charming is riding through the night into Sherwood Forest. He comes across the route Robin Hood told him about and is just about to take off when he hears a young woman crying out for help. Following the voice, Charming comes into a clearing with a tall tower at its center and a single window at the very top. He begins to climb the thick vines upward, discovering a rope halfway up which he uses to finish his trek. At the top, Charming enters through the window to discover the rope was in fact hair belonging to the young woman alone within the tower. The young woman reveals that she is a princess named Rapunzel, whose own fear of inheriting the crown had led her to seek out the night route. Her older brother had had a horrible accident, leaving her next in line to take the throne. She then ventured out here to take the night route, but it didn't help. Ha! I told you that drunken monk was full of shit. Also, I love Charming asking Rapunzel how long she's been up here. Like, my brother in Christ, look how goddamn long her hair is. <laughs> Fucking ages. Come on now. Oh, my God. But she's, like, in full ceremony dress. Like, she is in a gown. Like, you know, with a little tiara and everything. And I'm just like, you rode out here by yourself? Yeah, I mean, she probably... Wear like, your I... riding clothes, my dear. I mean, <laughs> she might have bounced straight from the ceremony that was going to plop a crown on her, to be perfectly yeah, honest. She considering like... she was like, I didn't want it. So it's like possible it, it was happening and she just went, no. Yeah, she might have like bailed right before a coronation ceremony. No, all right. She took the crown and ran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I'm keeping this because it's pretty later days, mom and dad. <laughs> Peace. Before Rapunzel could return to her home, a witch appeared and chased Rapunzel into this tower. Whenever Rapunzel attempts to leave the tower spooky shit happens and the ghost witch appears to keep her locked in the tower hey it's the spooky halloween episode everyone i mean this aired in march but we're recording right before halloween so it's spooky how bad it is let's be real it's spooky flash forward to storybrook selena is informing the couple on what to expect for the second birth she questions David's readiness and mental fortitude for the birth, recalling past traumas relating to Emma's birth. Zelina acts as a mediator, encouraging them to air out their anxieties and fears. David refuses to name any, and they have a toast and drink. The tea is not steeped. This is fucking barbarism. David is subsequently released from the meeting. We next see his truck pull up to the town border. When he gets out, David takes his sword with him and heads out on foot. We then see that same spooky hooded witch specter following behind him. And David just takes the sword unsheathed from the back of the truck and like trots out into the forest. And it's all very <laughs> normal behavior. It was hot, though. It was mm -hmm. hot, though. It was hot, though. I just like, oh, there he goes with his sword. I mean, for everything that we can say about this episode, and we will say about this episode, David looks very good in it. That's pretty oh, yes. much what the highlight of this episode is for me, is I'm like, dumb shit happens, but David looks fine as hell while it's all going mm -hmm. on. Yeah, it's a nice showcase of how handsome, how handsome David is. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I agree. Like, everything's stupid, but damn, he's pretty. <laughs> Meanwhile, out by a pond, 
Regina and Henry are enjoying some ice cream. Regina compares Storybrooke unfavorably to what she presumes Henry prefers. But he surprises her by remarking that there are so many people in New York City that it can make one feel alone. The mayor admits that in a small town, everyone knows everybody. They're in creating a big family. You the Cheers theme. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I am the one who used to watch Cheers all the time when my insomnia was real bad. I watch Frasier. I never got into Frasier, but damn, did I not love Cheers. Cheers is good. I love me though, Frasier. That is, that is my jam. I watch it the way that most people watch Golden Girls. I also never got into Golden Girls. I like it, but it ain't no Frasier. <laughs> I like Cheers. Cheers is great. One of the three shows mentioned I watch. Cheers is great. But none of them are MASH. I appreciate MASH now that I'm an adult and I can understand it. I, I adore MASH. I somewhere have a collection of MASH martini glasses. God, I love MASH. But we're not here to talk about MASH. No. I wish we were here to talk about I know, about unfortunately. <laughs> Instead, we're here to talk about this very bad episode. But this scene is not bad. No, this scene is this scene is perfectly decent. So we'll get back to it. Yeah. Henry confides in Regina that he believes his mother wanted to leave New York to escape a recent breakup. Regina digs for Henry's opinion, but the boy merely wants his mother to be happy and to have more place settings at the holidays. Regina predicts that one day Henry will be so blessed with family, he won't know what to do with them. First of all, I actually really like that line. That's a great line. She's like, nah. <laughs> one day you are going to have so much family. You will not be wanting extra place settings. <laughs> but this scene actually, for like the whole episode, this scene is my favorite scene. And it was very sweet. And Regina totally kept it together. So gold star for you, Regina. I love this scene. I also just really enjoy Regina, like, feeling out about the guy Emma was dating. Oh, yeah. Like she, like, she looks so genuinely disappointed that Emma was seeing someone, and she's, like, so subtle with, well, did you like him, Henry? Like, Regina is not very straight in this episode, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, and Henry is like, nice lady, you are clearly my mom's ex. Please get back together with my mom. I mean, it's kind of following up because when he met her, he definitely was like, oh, you used to date my mom. Uh-huh. And now he's just like, oh, you really used to date my mom. Yeah. You used to love my mom. Ooh, mm. You like my mom. It's time for Parent Trap. <laughs> what is that whole like line and like, what is it? Miss Congeniality. I've oh, that you it. think I'm pretty. You, you want to kiss I'm, me. You think she's pretty. You want to kiss her. <laughs> I mean, Henry needs a new Operation Cobra, I guess. Exactly. His new operation, getting his mom back together with the love of love of her life. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to pretend this is happening in behind the scenes of the next few episodes that Henry's parent trapping them. Whenever you don't see Henry, he's working on Operation Parent Trap. Yeah. On the other side of town, Hook and Emma discover the holly berries. Hook tries flirting again making it awkward as ever with remarks about always being on a dangerous mission with Emma whenever they're together. He's like, please, Emma, I wore my deepest V for you. Look at all my chest hair. He's like fully unbuttoned. It's, it's such, a, such a deep V. It, yeah. Emma rebuffs this, assuming Hook was on one swashbuckling adventure after the next during the year of their absence. He is lying, but he doesn't tell Emma why. Only that he is pleased to have had a hand and a hook in ridding her of Walsh. Humorless, 
Emma reminds Captain Jones that she had been in love and is once again dealing with a broken heart. This pleases Hook as he is happy to know she still has a heart left to work and mend. Like that line is just negging on a fucking level I cannot even fathom or name. I was just like, shut up. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I like Hook, but I definitely was rolling my eyes very hard. Yeah, that, yeah that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I I genuinely like Hook, but for the last couple of episodes, he has been like this whiny asshole. And yeah. I do not approve. I do the, not approve. He's yeah, been very writing, poorly written the last couple yeah, episodes. It's yeah. been it's been off for him. It's been off for him a little it's just bit. Just like, buddy, sit down. Just just sit down. It's not it's not Hook showing his best colors. Mm-mm. No. Hook and Emma come across the farmhouse. Not far behind them at the trail end, David finds the berries as well and heads deeper into the woods before he realizes he's being stalked by someone unseen. Believing it to be the Wicked Witch, David tries to reach Emma, but only reaches her voicemail. In the enchanted forest of the past, David prepares to fight the approaching witch despite Rapunzel's assurance that she will inevitably kill him. Dude, just cut her hair. She has plenty where that came from. This thing's just crawling up the hair. It's like, just cut, just cut her hair. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. She's still got a whole room left where that came from. (laughs) David swings below, but the figure evades his blade, appearing on the roof before knocking him back into the tower room and joining them. Quickly cutting to present day, David is confronted by what we think is the same figure, who knocks him backward, temporarily rendering him unconscious. Meanwhile, Emma and Hook cautiously approach the house, which looks empty. They notice the storm cellar and approach it. Hook stops Emma, insisting on figuring out a strategy which includes magical reinforcements. Emma then notices the voicemail from David. And I like the nice Oz touch with the bicycle with the basket leaning against Selena's spooky farmhouse. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen her ride it around town. Or we will. Nice. Like it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice touch to have the bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David abruptly wakes up and plunges his blade into the specter, startled to watch it slide right through the phantom. The hooded figure hoists up the prince as if he weighs nothing, choking him. David removes his hood, revealing his own face. What a twist. This might be spooky if the effects weren't so doofy. I specifically really enjoyed the digitally pitched down David voice that Evil David had. Oh God, it was not good. (laughs) The choice. It was a choice. Yeah, a choice is the right way to put it. They should have just had him make Christian uh, Bale it. I was just going to say, make the Prince James voice. The Prince James oh, voice is a little different. That would have worked. Yeah. I was thinking, do the Christian Bale thing, you know, just be a little <laughs> gravelly. Be like, this is my Batman voice. Josh Dallas, like, definitely gives a different voice for James. And it's definitely a darker voice. It's a so. douchebag voice. Yeah, they could have had, they could have just done that. But then maybe people would have been confused and would have thought it was James. I mean, I guess that's true when you have someone who plays twins. Yeah. Back in the past... The specter uses Rapunzel's hair to ensnare Charming and reveal her face to be that of Rapunzel herself. A light bulb goes off in our himbo's head, and he realizes that the night route is allowing Rapunzel the opportunity to overcome her fear by facing them head on. 
God, this is lame. I feel like I'm in a bad filmation version of Aesop's Fables or some other browbeating parable adaptation. Like, there is no fear except fear itself. (laughs) The frightened princess cowers before her own visage. And in a truly stupendous moment of what the fuckery, Charming loosens from his bondage, lunges at the specter, and they both go tumbling out the window. Can we just take a moment to collectively sigh heavily? (sighs) (sighs) I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Charming grasps onto the stone and vine while the figure continues to climb up again. Charming recognizes Rapunzel's fears and encourages her to cut her fear away. She finally does, hacking off a hunk of the hair ladder and watching the specter fall away. He says his true prison is shame. He says his true prison is shame. (laughs) And as it falls, the specter goes, I never saw Venice. (laughs) Sorry, that one's for Ariana. (laughs) From the Smoochie. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the dark gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to The Lost Boys and laughing at memes taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12. But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the fanged undead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts. In a present-day fight between good and bad David, good David sees Emma driving towards him and tells bad David that he fears not being a good father. He then stabs the bad David, who goes cross-eyed and disappears in a puff of green smoke. This is all very dumb, but David at least looked very handsome. He looked he very handsome. But he's very dumb. Josh Dallas did his best. He looked his prettiest. <laughs> Back in the past, Rapunzel is freed from the tower and up a pros of nothing. Well, I don't think it's not. She's well, like she like the way this is cut, like they're just hanging out at the bottom of the tower. And all of a sudden she just launches into like, my parents warned me not to go to this river and I ignored them. 
And then my brother dove in to save me and he died. He drowned. And it's just like, cool story, bro. I, I figured it was now that now that we've, I guess, murdered my fear together, I'm going to trauma dump on you. Was yeah, that yeah, pretty much, yes. yeah. I'm like, this is cut so weirdly. Yeah, no, I think it's exactly what Lynn explained. Like it, it is a trauma dump after like finally getting free. Like she's like, okay, you helped me do this. And now I'm going to tell you like how I ended up in the situation. It's clumsy, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I understood it to be. So yeah, Rapunzel shares that her brother died trying to save her after she'd gone swimming where she'd been warned not to. And he did not have the strength to save himself after saving her. Rapunzel does not believe her parents will forgive her, but Charming insists that as their child, they will naturally welcome her back with open arms. Rapunzel is then seen arriving at a royal assembly with Charming as her escort. With Regina and Belle oddly present. How on earth did this happen so far? You know what? You know what? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? I sure as shit don't. I'm pretty sure it's what it is, is they're at Snow and Charming's and Regina's throne room. And Rapunzel's parents just happen to be there. It's very confusing as to why her parents are there. But that's why everyone else is there, at least. I'm assuming Charming sent letters ahead to like, make this all happen but those scenes are presumably on the cutting room floor if they even made it to filming mm-hmm. also how was rapunzel's hair so neat and stylish it was presumably cut with a sword and it looks nice and even at least in Tangle, they had the decency to make it look choppy charming was very careful he he made sure to give her some nice layers he really wanted to make sure she felt pretty and confident. You know, I made a gag here saying David's charming salon coming to Storybrooke, but maybe he detoured, you know, he sent word with like the birds because, you know, the birds are Snow White's friends, right? So mm-hmm. he sends he sends a note with the bird to Snow White to call for Rapunzel's parents, say, I got Rapunzel, you know, have them meet us at our castle. I'm going to take her to like the enchanted salon. They just had a little makeover. Made sure everyone was feeling up to it. So maybe like this is a couple of days later. Yeah, that wouldn't make any less sense. Mm-mm. I would believe that more than just like I ran, like they're just randomly here, <laughs> like or they got there in like ten hours. <laughs> so. Like I said, it wouldn't make any less sense, <laughs> right? Rapunzel has a warm reunion with her parents. David, off to the side amidst the snow that he is afraid of fucking up the new baby because they've already lost Emma twice. Snow reassures him that they will master the art of parenthood together, just like they always do. They then leave to decorate the new nursery in their recently reclaimed castle. Back in Storybrooke, Hook asks why the Wicked Witch would send a fear demon after David, who recounts only being able to defeat it by admitting his fear and stabbing it with his sword, which disappeared magically. A worried Regina explains that by admitting his fears, his courage was transferred into the hilt of the sword, and it did not disappear. It must have been stolen. The Wicked Witch has stolen a symbol of David's courage. Wait, wait, so is David supposed to be like the new cowardly lion because that's just dumb? Mm, I'm pretty sure that's the point here. Yeah, that's just, that's, but, but that's dumb. <laughs> No, that's dumb. (laughs) Meanwhile, 
Mary Margaret is saying her farewells to Zelina, who is, of course, cryptic and ominous and stupid. Back by the farmhouse, our four heroes approach the storm cellar, whose lock has been busted. Regina feels the dark magic emanating from the cell. Cautiously, they approach the cage and turn on the light overhead. Though Mr. Gold is gone, his spinning wheel remains, along with a single reed of golden hay. Oh no, that zany hamster man is just at large now. <laughs> and credits! Alright, so back in 2014, I remember I was so excited about this episode before it aired. Because I love Tangled, and I love Rapunzel stories. I was so excited to see a Once Upon a Time Rapunzel. And I remember the casting announcement, and I thought she looked adorable, and I was so excited. And then the episode aired. It's not the worst episode that I've seen of Once Upon a Time, but I was disappointed then, and I still find it extremely lacking now on rewatch. I'm not sure if it's the fault of the script or the fault of the editor, budgetary reasons, if this was kind of like a rushed one, if a lot of stuff ended up on the floor, I don't know. But they leave way too many gaps in the flashback story. They completely underutilized Rapunzel. There's no reason this needed to be a Rapunzel story. There are little moments I liked, like the beginning of the nightmare with Emma and David, loved the scene with Regina and Henry. But otherwise, this is just one of the weakest episodes of Once Upon a Time, I think, or at least of the ones I've seen so far, which I've seen to about three-fourths into season five, and that's as far as I got. This episode is dumb. <laughs> Other than Snow White, Rapunzel is probably my favorite princess, and they basically gave her the same plot as the Adventure Time tiny manticore whose true prison is shame. Like, why? Why even? What was the point? Why do we need that? Like, okay, this isn't the worst episode ever, but it is dumb. I hate this episode. <laughs> the only quality parts are Jennifer's dress at the very beginning and the big time Swan Queen vibes. The whole Face Your Fear storyline was trite and the character of Rapunzel was completely wasted. It makes me angry that the show will full on retcon Cinderella to do her justice, but won't do the same courtesy for Rapunzel, as far as I know anyway. There's a second Rapunzel. Oh, there is a second Rapunzel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they redo Rapunzel in season seven. Uh, I've, I've never seen it. Um, I never so I don't, don't know if she's good. The screenshots look pretty. I've, but I've she seen a looks beautiful. Caps. She looks beautiful. I mean, she she's a beautiful girl in this too. Oh, she is. Just, sure. I, it, this just, Rapunzel could have, she could have been amazing if she was given anything better to do. Anything, anything. Because this, this was actress given... was lovely. This actress was absolutely lovely. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, well, let's talk something that I think actually was really lovely this episode. Let's talk about costumes. Yeah. Uh, I loved Dream Emma's silver ball gown. It's gorgeous. And I love that it's like, like, a, like a soft silver, mm -hmm. like because it's not quite white, right? Like for Snow mm -hmm. White, but it's not exactly, it's like a, like a between a silver and a very light gray. So you have like definitely the mix of both her parents in it. Like that's what I see color scheme wise. And I love that like instead of feathers, Eduardo used tool on like those. I, I mean, I hesitate to call them sleeves because they're not exactly attached, but they're like, I don't know, 
fabric bicep gauntlets. <laughs> <laughs> little poof, poof guys, little poof guys. They're little, but they're made to look like feathers. But like I paused it to just to like make sure like I wasn't looking at feathers. I was like, no, it's tool. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, been it's, like hairsprayed or something to like stay on end. It was really, really delicate yeah, and nice and it glittered and I would love a, to see that. Yeah, it's person. a dress for a swan princess. Yeah, it is. She's, and she's the swan princess. Yeah. The swan princess. I do also like Rapunzel's dress. You guys kind of gave like a pretty, pretty decent explanation, actually, why she, uh, she took that tiara and she ran and she ran. She hopped on her horsey and she left. And she went later days to leave. She threw up the double deuces and she got the (laughs) (laughs) But I did like her dress. I, I did like her dress a lot. I really love Snow's dress from the last Enchanted Forest scene we get. It reminded me a lot of Ever After. I literally wrote the exact same thing in my notes. It was so Ever After. She looked I have lovely to, in it. It was so pretty beautiful. in it. I need to so look at, pretty. at screenshots then. Yeah, go back and look because it very, it very much, it very much gives me Ever After vibes. Like, like the one with the wings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. She wears it in that final ballroom scene with ballroom Rapunzel scene. reuniting with okay. her parents. I'm gonna look. Very pretty. I'm sure you just didn't notice it because you were so focused on how we got on what the hell is going on. Yeah, probably. Five what the fuck is going the on? Oh, no, I did like this this outfit. Yeah. I also like her hair in this outfit, too. Oh, she, she just pretty. looks, she looks really, so soft. Really yeah, beautiful. it's very soft. And it's just a very soft, delicate look for her. And I really love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the writers of this episode really phoned it in, but Eduardo did not. Oh, no, yeah. no. He killed Costuming it. Costuming was doing the most. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like um, Rapunzel's pink and white trimmed uh, travel. Like, yeah, her travel cloak. cloak is very pretty. Very the, clothes pretty. Were, the clothes were great this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like looking at the party scene. Bells, she has another purple dress on. It's really pretty too. It's really yeah. nice. It's like a like like everyone, a dusty lilac. Like everyone is super well dressed. Yeah. Everyone, everyone in the background is really, really yeah. nice. And we get like thing. multiple charming outfits too in in the Enchanted Forest scenes. Like everyone's just on point. I also do like the very diverse. It's not just like a sea of white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like our the courtiers and stuff are are very diverse here. It makes me really sad that there's this beautiful woman of color cast to play Rapunzel, and they write her nothing. And when they do yeah. do Rapunzel again, it, it's a white girl. Ah, uh, and I'm sure she's. Like, we, she's we've already be amazing, discussed, but we've already discussed how um, they treat people of color on this show. Yeah, yeah, how you either get you get killed off or you get turned into furniture. Or or you get a plot line just unfathomably stupid. Or you get this. And like Yeah. Like I, I said, a plot line unfathomably stupid. And this actress was lovely, and I'm sure she could have given us so much more as Rapunzel if given a the chance. She can and do if gave. Yeah. She can do if gave. Yeah. There's poor writing in this one. And it's just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, who's that guest star? In season three, episode 14, we have Alexandra Metz as Rapunzel. Viewers may recognize Alexandra from her roles on TV shows such as Chicago Fire, Single by 30, Frequency, and The Magicians. Everick Golding as Rapunzel's father. Besides having one of the coolest dude names I've ever heard in English, Everick (laughs) Golding is known for his roles on The Flash, Lost Ollie, and VC Andrews Heaven. 
and TV movies like Bottled with Love, The Christmas Promise, and Stolen by My Mother, The Kamiya Mobley Story. I think like a shit ton of people have been in The Christmas Promise. I think I've said that at least five times. About- I feel like that came up before. I mm-hmm. want to say... Um, uh, the And The Christmas Prince. Christmas Promise came up for... Um, uh, Victor Frankenstein's brother. I forgot his name. Gerhardt. Gerhardt. I think he was in The Christmas Promise. But I think he was he... in like a bunch of Christmas Lifetime. Yeah, movies, he was. I remember. So is this Everett Golding guy. Like I just picked a couple. <laughs> and then we have Natalie Von Rosberg as Rapunzel's mother. Von Rosberg can be seen on TV in shows and made for TV movies like Big Lies in a Small Town, Motherland, Fort Salem, A Homecoming for the Holidays, and supernatural. Take a shot for supernatural. Take a shot for supernatural. I am so sorry, Alexandra, that once upon a time did you like this? You deserved a better story to tell as Rapunzel. Oh, absolutely. All right. It's time yes. to climb up the hair to the top of the tower of once upon a timeline. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> It's time to jump out the window with a witch. <laughs> All right, but the timeline has been so kind to me lately. She just cursed herself. The pl- <laughs> so the flashbacks in this episode actually follow shortly after the one seen in our last episode, season three, episode 13, Witch Hunt. And then the scene we've seen that takes place the most immediately after it is when Killian shows up on Emma's doorstep at the end of season three, episode 11, Going Home. Time for some rats and raves. Okay, so my number one is going to be Known of the Ninth. It finally came out and I read it and I loved it because anyone who knows me knows that the Locked Tomb series are my favorite books and I've been going feral waiting for Nona. Also, my wife felt so bad for me after my shoulder Pascal got stolen. She went on eBay and bought me $130 worth of Pascals in various colors and sizes and costumes because I stood outside of Peter Pan and cried and probably ruined some child's day. (laughs) It was so sad. I'm not laughing at you just the way you delivered that. (laughs) Um, It was stolen? I thought it was just like, I thought it just fell off your shoulder. It initially just fell off my shoulder. Like on a ride, right? In the loading area. Oh, and then, eyesight. And then oh, I, I so cast, like some kid probably swooped it up. No, no a cast no. member stole yeah. it. So <gasps> a, a cast member got it for her and let her know that it was passed off to another cast member to bring to Lost and Found. This is a much longer story. The listeners don't have to hear it. The Reader's Digest story is... It was handed off to another cast member whose only job was to bring it to the Lost and Found, and they decided not to and didn't bring it. Ooh. They get into so much fucking trouble for that. So the first cast member who did help us and did eventually save it from the ride and let us know it was saved from the ride was wonderful, and we loved him. He was going off shift, so he was like, I handed it off to XYZ cast member. They're taking up to Lost and Found as we speak. This was the phone call he, he sent to me. This was after I had just been at the Lost and Found and and he told me they had already turned it in. And I was like, no, they hadn't waited around all day because he went, well, sometimes it takes a while for things to get processed. I went through all the paperwork that you do to file for a lost item at Disney. We literally waited till closing. And when the people who came up from Fantasyland with all the lost items came from Peter Pan, they only had two things and neither of them were mine. So the person who was supposed to have taken it over literally six hours ago at this point just didn't yeah and they kept giving me updates about the lost report and then eventually they closed the case because they yeah find it. but 
I was very sad and I was crying in front of Peter Pan and my wife went on eBay and bought me $130 worth of assorted Pascals. There's many, many Pascals in our house now. We already had multiple Pascals. Now we have so many, (laughs) so many Pascals. You You will never want for Pascal. Got a little one that's red because he's angry. I got one in a little Christmas outfit. Um, I have a Japan exclusive shoulder one that clips on. I have Pascal and Rapunzel's dress. I have the one that was the actual replacement for the one that got stolen from me. And then there's a completely other random Pascal that she did not remember buying me, but he's pretty cute. So I'm glad he's here. Yeah, he's the he's series Pascal. Yeah, he's he's very cute. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So I just have like an armful of Pascals. So mine was we went to a pumpkin patch. I bought the cutest pumpkins with like really long curly stems and they're adorable. I bought the best pumpkins ever and it was very exciting. Mine's I, pastel. Yours yeah, I pastel. saw your fairy tale pumpkin. That was very cute. Isn't she cute? She's pastel. She's practically pink. Mm-hmm. They're so cute. I am currently reading Dawn of the Ninth. I read very, very slow. I know um, and it's killing me because I keep wanting to talk to you about it. And you're like, I'm on chapter 10. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, I still have to like, get I'm, it. I'm on like 16, 16 right now, but it's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Well, earlier tonight, we watched The Love Witch together and ate pizza, which was fun. And the movie was a very fun romp for Spoopy Season, but I think it actually would to be best watched around in bulk or Valentine's Day. For all you uh, Galentines out there. I think that's when it it originally came out when it aired in theaters. Mm -hmm. I'm also going to my very first Oogie Boogie event tomorrow with uh, narrators Lynn and Elisa. And I'm going to be dressed as Mabel Pines from Gravity Falls. I'm very, very excited. And I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yay! And Elisa are going to be Ariel and Eric. Yay! We're all going to be very cute. Mm -hmm. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. Neil finds himself back in Storybrooke and yearns for a way to reconnect with his son Henry, whose memories of his father are gone. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was over the past year, Neil and Belle attempt to find a magical solution to bring Rumpelstiltskin back from the dead. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is... At least Eduardo understood the assignment. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Also, I remember why Hook is such an asshole, but I can't say. Oh, is it a spoiler? It's a spoiler. Mm.